0: And as soon as you get seated, please take out your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter three. Paul's Epistle to the Galatian Churches, chapter three. Tonight we're going to take a little break from our Going Back to the Well Sunday evening sermon mini-series. And we're going to take that little break because of what day it is, because of how the world celebrated today, and to show what we as New Testament Christians who know the word of God have that so far surpasses the way the world celebrated today. We're gonna do this with a sermon simply entitled tonight, The Tree and the Gifts. The Tree and the Gifts. This morning, millions of people awoke to go and find and unwrap some very beautiful, very practical, very pricey, in some cases, presents from under a tree. Presents, in many cases, that were purchased specifically for them with a specific need in mind by people who love and appreciate them. It's that time of year when love and compassion and mercy and gift-giving abound in our world like they do at no other time of the year. But we as New Testament Christians have so much more than all of that, and we have it every day. Not just one day a week, not just one day a year, but we have it every day, you and I. And the thing is that we have every day, beautiful, priceless, eternal gifts from God that we we enjoy, that are absolutely priceless every day of the year And, and we recognize him for those. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not, they are new Every morning, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. God's mercies are new every morning. God's gifts are, are there for us every day. But the thing is, is those gifts that God has for us, those eternal gifts, those eternal life-giving gifts, his mercies and his compassions that do not fail us, those actually are tied to a tree as well, as we all know, only a much uglier more horrible, awful tree than can ever be imagined even in modern day America. It is that horrific tree, if you will, from Calvary. I want us to look tonight at the gifts because of the tree. Galatians chapter three, verse one. Paul begins, he says, "'O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, "'that you should not obey the truth, "'before whose eyes Jesus Christ "'was clearly portrayed among you as crucified.'" Galatians chapter three, verse one, starts without out talking about the crucifixion, talking about the cross, the tree, if you will, as it's going to be referred to later on in this very chapter. Goes on from there to say in verse two, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now I realize that everybody in our brotherhood all over the all over the country and all over the world, I realize that they don't all agree on every little nuance of, of what it means to receive the Spirit. And I'm not going to get into all of that tonight, but what I am going to, to say, I want to remind us of is the Spirit is a gift. The Spirit of God is a gift that came by hearing of faith, according to verse 2 in this rhetorical question. The Holy Spirit is a gift. It's a free gift from God that came about as a result of a tree. It's a priceless gift given only to those who obey the gospel, who, who are buried with him in baptism and, and rise up to walk in newness of life, as we're going to talk about later. Acts 2 and verse 38, it is a gift. Peter told the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 5, verses 30 through 32, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him because of that tree. I'm sorry, I'm looking at this one down here. Because of that tree, we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As we move on in verses 3 through 5, Paul writes to the churches in the Galatian region. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the only point I want to make here is that Paul's trying to make a point that that old Jewish law is not where they got all these gifts, the gift of the Spirit or anything else. He's letting them know that that old Jewish law is not where the gifts come from. The gifts come from the crucified Christ. Jesus, who was clearly portrayed among them as crucified in verse 1. We read on as he goes on to show them in verses 6 through 9 that even with Old Testament Abraham, he's let them know that they're receiving these gifts because of what Jesus did and and how much better it is to walk by faith and live by faith than it is by the old law that the Jews were under. But he's going to go back now and tell them, hey, look, even with Abraham it was about faith. Follow along in verses 6 through 9. He says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness... Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. It's not about the Jews who were born to the Jewish bloodline and who were under the old Mosaic law anymore. He's telling them that those who are of the same type of faith as, as Abraham under this new covenant They're the ones who receive this Holy Spirit in this way. Then he goes on to say this by contrast again. He says in verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You see, the only way you could be made righteous through the old law was to do everything perfectly. Not mess up at all. Keep all of the old law completely intact. Nobody could do it which is a point later on in Galatians 3 that we won't actually be going to. But he says that, verse 11, but that no one is justified by the law, and the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. He said you you, you can't be justified by that old law, but if you really want to know where the gifts come from, if you want to know where life comes from, it comes from this gift. Right here, look at verses 13 and 14. He says, Christ has redeemed us from that curse he's been talking about, the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, or the cross here, but it's referred to in scripture as a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Without that cross, without that tree, we don't get the gift of the Spirit. We don't get the gift of eternal life. We don't get all these other gifts. But what you and I understand is because of that tree, every day, all of those gifts that are part of God's mercies that are new every morning come about because of what happened on that tree. And we, every day of the year, we get to celebrate God's gifts to us that are a result of that tree. He goes on in verses 13 and 14 to say what I just read about Christ hanging on a tree and and three terms he uses there that I want you to watch for throughout the rest of this lesson. We find them in verse 14. Here's the three phrases. In Christ Jesus, watch for that one. The promised or gift of the Holy Spirit, watch for that one and through faith, which is the way that that we receive all of the gifts, is is through faith. All of these death-defeating gifts. So watch for those three phrases I said as we continue. What I wanna do tonight is go back and reopen, if you will, or re-examine just a few of these incredible gifts that God gave us as a result of what we find on that tree. Because as James told us, every good and perfect gift is from God. And brethren, we have more gifts because of that tree than we can even begin to imagine. Speaking of those gifts, we know in Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 through 11, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be opened. Then he says this, or what man is there among you who If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? It's just a a reaffirmation by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount of how good God is to us and and how we, we as sinners, we still, we do the best we can for our kids. We all do. We give them the best that we can give them. But he says, if you being evil, if you being less than, than the perfect and pure God give good gifts to your children, how much better gifts does your Father in heaven give you, your perfect Father? He's the giver of all good gifts. And again, I cannot stress enough, they come about as a result of a tree. And as you're talking to people over this holiday season, you have gotta let them know that the greatest gifts that were ever given were, were on a tree. And we see them from the foot of the tree, but not the one we have in our homes. God has given us and is capable of giving us more than we can ask, think, or imagine according to Ephesians chapter three and verse 20. I wanna give you some examples of some of the gifts that are termed gifts in scripture that you and I have. The greatest gift of all, of course, is the free gift of eternal life that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, Romans 6.23. That's part of his mercies that are new every morning, that, that eternal life that we have, the, the, the priceless gift. What I'd like to do right tonight, right now, is go back though, that passage is Romans six I'd like to go back and look at what leads up to his stating that this free gift of, of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus in Romans chapter 6, in verse 23. Did you ever get a gift that came with accessories? Somebody ever give you a gift that had accessories? We have the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, but there's a lot of accessories that go with that. There's a lot of other components, if you will, to that gift. And and he leads up to that, starting in Romans chapter 5. I want you to just watch the gifts that we have that lead up to that statement. This is incredibly overpowering, awesome stuff from God It's a lot of reading, I know, for Sunday night, but it is so good. Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Starts right out telling you, you've been justified before God. That term can be simply defined as, you looked at just as if I'd never sinned. Justification. Having been justified by faith, we have peace. There's another gift, there's another accessory that goes with this gift of eternal life we have in Christ. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. The gifts are piling up that God has given us because of the tree. This grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. In those first two verses, we're shown four gifts that we have that are components or accessories to this free gift of eternal life that we have in Christ Jesus. And he goes on. He says in verse 3, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, character and character hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And, And so we see that we have this gift of the Holy Spirit again, but he's just getting warmed up to get to this this gift of eternal life we have. And and again, these are all the accessories. And we come to a passage that we read this morning, verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What kind of a God do we have? We have the most awesome God. Look at the gift that we have. And, he, and then, he gets, then he gets going further, he says, much more then, as we said this morning, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation, he, He's mentioned the gifts, and now he's kind of examining them and and telling you again about these gifts from the first few verses. But I want to read on. don't want to stop there. He goes on in verse 12 to say this. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Abraham to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Abraham who is a type of him who was to come. Don't let all of that overpower you or overwhelm you. Death reigned. Death reigned. People were going to die because they couldn't live perfectly. Again, they couldn't keep that old law. They couldn't be holy before God because they kept the old law because all had sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. But then look what he says. Here we go. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift. By the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded to many. And the gift. How many times are we going to see that word in this passage? That's what I want you to see tonight. I want you to see how what a gift all of this is. It was on a tree. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned for the judgment, which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift, which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense, that is Adam, Death reigns through the one. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We have the gift of righteousness. We have, because of God's gift to us on a tree, we can be righteous to stand before God. Every sin ever gone. That's priceless. Because all have sinned. Therefore, verse 18, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. But you see, here's the thing. The free gift may have been given to all men, but not all men are willing to receive the one gift, the free gift. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by the one man's obedience many will be made righteous it was given for all men but not all men will accept it we know that and we understand that but man how can you turn it down and he says through that gift of jesus christ many many will <clears throat> many will be made righteous in verse 19 but still many more will not as we read in other parts of the scripture. And, and then all of this keeps building and, and in Romans chapter six he goes on to talk about how we receive that free gift, how we're, we're buried with him in baptism, we go through the death, burial, and resurrection, we're buried with him in baptism, we rise to walk in newness of life, and we, when we do that, when we obey from the heart, as he says in verse 18, when we obey from the heart, that form of doctrine right there that he's just talked about in baptism, our sins are forgiven and we're given that gift of eternal life in Christ, Jesus. That's how he wraps up chapter 6 in verses 22 and 23. Look what he says. But now having been set free from sin, again, when we were baptized and our sins were taken off of us, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, what a gift. And, and we get to celebrate that gift every day. We get to thank God that we have eternal life. And, and 52 times a year, as I say, 53 next year, but 52 times a year on Sunday, we get, we get to come and say to God, thank you for the gift. It's not just a one-time-a-year thing. It's, it's all of those times, and we've done it again, and we do it again today. You recall that Ephesians chapter two and verse eight says, for grace you have been saved through faith. What does he want to call it? And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What what an almost unbelievable, what what an incredible, incomparable new every morning gift from God it is that we have been given in Christ. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I can't earn it, I can't buy it myself, I can't go pick it out. I don't have what it takes to purchase that. It's a gift. It's the most incredible gift ever given. I wanna talk a little bit more about some other gifts tonight that go along with this one, some other accessories. I'm not going to turn to this text, but in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul goes on to discuss spiritual gifts. Okay, Spiritual gifts that abounded in the first century church, but are now as obsolete and out of date and unnecessary as buggy whips and 8-track players. How many of you remember 8-track players? Cassette players? Nobody remembers cassette players? Come on, Drew's got his hand up. And there was a time, there was a time in our history, what about wall-mounted phones? Remember when you had the long cord, right? And and there was a time and there was a place in history where those were were great gifts. I mean, you got a cassette player, an 8-track player, like, wow, I can remember getting a cassette player as a kid. It was just like the greatest thing, right? You could talk in this thing and it would record it. It was awesome. But the time for that to be this great gift Kind of passed. And, and these gifts were incredible. The, the, the gifts of prophecy and speaking in tongues and the, and the miraculous knowledge, that was, those were all incredible gifts in their time and in their place and in the providence of God for the specific purpose of getting people's attention so they would hear the will of God. These were, these were great gifts. But, as I said, buggy whips and eight-track players, the time has kind of passed, in the providence of God, and those are no longer in effect. But, but here's one that is. You know the text, you know 1 Corinthians 13, you know what, what Paul says there. They've been arguing about which of these gifts are the greatest, and Paul goes through in, in 1 Corinthians 13, and he says, now I'm gonna show you chapter 12 and verse 31, and the greater gift. He goes on to talk about love. And he says, and now by these three, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Do we still have that gift today from God? See, that one's still here, and that's the greatest gift of all. There is no greater gift. It is love that caused God to put his son on a tree and give us the gifts that go with it under that tree. It is that love which keeps us going and for which we thank God every day because of his grace and his forgiveness and his mercies that are new every morning because of God's love for us. Changing subjects here, not changing subjects, but moving along to a different facet. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever received one of those gifts that you just naturally came to take for granted? You may have opened it up from a loved one, it's like, "Oh, it's just what I wanted," you know, whatever it may be, and you know. You use it, and you use it, and you know, two months later, four months later, six months later, it's like a part of the scenery in the house. You've just, the newness is worn off, if you will. You've kind of forgotten where you got it from and, and what a precious gift it, it is. Maybe you've used it so much that it's just become an ordinary, unappreciated, always there type of item that you don't even register you got anymore till one day it's not there. <laughs> There are some gifts from God that might fall into that same category. Gifts that we just kind of take for granted. Did you know that church leaders are a gift from God? Church leaders are a gift from God. Our Bible class teachers are gifts from God. All of those who lead and teach are gifts, and and the Bible says that. That is one of the gifts God gave the church to help maintain the unity that he talked about in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through six. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter four and look on a little bit later down in the text and you will see that these church leaders are gifts from God, as surely as the many other gifts from God. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and just by clarification that's elders and some pastors and teachers, teachers too, see teachers are in there our Bible class teachers are in there, they're right in there with the pastors who are elders with the evangelists why did he give all of these gifts to the church? for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ. He gave these to the church for reason, for purpose, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine but, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, that is Christ. From whom, now watch this, this leads to our next gift we're going to discuss. From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every part of the body is a gift to the rest of the body as we work and serve together. Do you know what that means? That means that all of us are a gift to the rest of us. Did you know that? As every part does its share. In the same way, I guess, you know Paul often, or or a couple of times anyway, you know he used the illustration of a human body for the the church, the body. And I guess you could say in the same way that, that my hands are a gift my mouth. I mean, I don't eat without hands, right? And some of, the, some of the organs that we have, the vital organs, my heart is a gift to the rest of my body to, to make the analogy complete. My heart is a gift to the rest of the body, because if I don't have a heart pump and blood, the rest of the body's not going to get it done. Amen <laughs> Amen, that's right, Daryl. That was timely, wasn't it? Um, appropriate. So, just like the human body, all the parts serve one another and they are quote unquote gifts, if I can use that terminology. We're all gifts as each part does its work. We are gifts to one another. Think about that. Brother or sister sitting behind you, beside you, in front of you, they're a gift from God to you in the body. Every part as we serve and encourage one another. We, we get this idea from a couple of other texts as well. Paul told the congregation in first century Corinth, even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Since you are zealous, talking to individuals, for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edu- edification of the church that you seek to excel. Let your desire for spiritual gifts be so that you can get them to do what? To be a gift to others in the church. So you can serve others in the church. Those gifts, if, if I can use this analogy or illustration, those gifts are sort of like batteries. You ever get something that didn't have any batteries? Well, Christmas morning's a big morning. You don't, don't be without batteries. You can't, you can't have kids and no batteries. Okay, it just doesn't work that way and you all know that, right? But we put the batteries in these things to make them do what they are supposed to. And the gifts that God gives to each one of us are like batteries that give us the ability to serve as gifts to the rest of the body. But we are gifts. And let it be that you want spiritual gifts so that you can edify the rest of the church. Peter, Also, echo those same sentiments in 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. Please turn there. 1 Peter chapter 4, 8 through 10. Look at this. And above all things have fervent love for one another. Love is a gift. We know that. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. In other words, as you have received a gift, use it to be a gift to other people, yourself. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Perhaps one of the most misunderstood gifts in the brotherhood, as I said earlier, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. But again, let me reiterate I'm not going into all the different beliefs and teachings on that, but I will say this, don't you ever forget the Holy Spirit's a gift. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what a gift that is. Look at me in Romans chapter eight, look at what this gift does for us. And all of it, is because of what we get at the foot of the tree, if you will. Romans chapter 8. Look at verses 15 through 17. What does this gift of the Spirit do for us, help us with? You did not receive, Romans 8, 15, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, His spirit helps to verify that you are a child of the living God. What a gift. The spirit himself bears witness, verse 16, with our spirit, that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. This is something that the gift of the spirit works with us. Not only that, but if we look down in verse 26, a very familiar passage. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you want to talk about the gift that keeps on giving? (laughs) And it's all because of the tree. And what God made possible on Calvary. I guess the bottom line, at least for me in thinking about some of these things, especially today, some people who don't know their Bibles, that do not simply know or understand about all of these priceless gifts that you and I have, that they could have, but that you and I have because of the tree. how much more special it is to celebrate this every day and the gifts of God that he has given to us. And, and, and in, in some folks in the world, maybe biblical ignorance, not realizing what, what precious gifts we have in Christ because of the tree, there may be some in the world, probably are, that look at us a little bit funny. We're strangers and aliens, right? look at us a little bit funny. Perhaps because on this particular date and time we are here in church building. Instead of sitting home around a tree opening up or enjoying gifts, especially tonight, looking over the man-made store-bought gifts in celebration of this man-made holiday season. In fact, that that very sentiment is reflected in an article that I recently read. It said, pastors, it's okay to cancel Christmas Sunday. In it, a, a man who's a leader of a church never seen in Scripture simply comes out and says, it's okay to cancel the celebration that we do see in Scripture on the first day of every week, that the church we see in Scripture practiced, and he said it's okay not to do that. It's okay instead to cancel on December the 25th and stay home to celebrate a humanly devised holiday never seen in Scripture, which was started in Rome in 336 A.D., you can look it up, the same day which the Romans had chosen to celebrate the birth of their pagan sun god, Mithra. And I, I really do, I feel sorry for such folks. I do. What a loss. Because you see, here's the thing. In a few days, a few weeks, few months, many of those store-bought gifts that were opened around a tree this morning, in a few years, they're either going to be gone or busted or exchanged or outdated or forgotten just like the tree itself is soon to be dead and discarded. Certainly as the months turn into years many more of those store-bought gifts things which perish with the using that were given in accordance with the commandments and doctrines of men are gonna get worn out, they're gonna get worn down, they're gonna maybe become garage sale goodies sold for pennies on the dollar. And even though some of those gifts that we got this morning are gonna last for years and bring a lot of joy, and don't get me wrong, this, this is good stuff, but it pales in comparison to the great gifts that we have in Christ, those things it comes right down to it even though they may bring us years of joy and service those those gifts that were opened around a physical tree this morning when it comes our time to leave this earth they're not going to be worth anything to us there's nothing that was given this morning with the exception of maybe a Bible that's when we come down to that last breath gonna do anybody who received those gifts the least amount of good you ever heard the term estate sale but you see what we have the gift that we have the gift that we have from God on that tree of Calvary are are the gifts that we are here to celebrate each and every Sunday as we gather around this table as we sing and as we praise God and as we thank God these gifts that you and I have are new every morning from his mercy and from his heart and they're never going to grow old. Is salvation ever going to get outdated? Are you ever? It doesn't have an expiration date. It's not going to. It's not going to be too small. It's not going to be too big. It's not going to. They're not going to come out with something more technologically advanced than salvation. It's not gonna, we buy cars and we buy things on this earth and, and they get old and, and it doesn't matter how nice they are when they're new, 20 years down the road, the car that was purchased brand new don't look like it did when it was brand new. And the house that was bought, you know, 80 years down the road or 300 years down the road, it don't look the same, everything gets old. But the gift of salvation never gets old. It's never obsolete, it's, it's never outdated. It, 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 it is the most inconceivable, unbelievable thing This this priceless gift that God has given us, and we get to celebrate it. We don't have to celebrate it. We get to celebrate it every first day of the week. Isn't that awesome? Think about that. And those gifts that come with it, the accessories, God's mercies, compassion, goodness, Forgiveness, his grace, his truth, the Holy Spirit, the kingdom, and most of all, the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of those things will last an eternal lifetime. The question I close with is this. What better time than tonight if you have never, spiritually speaking, come to that tree, if you've never come to that tree, if you've never experienced the gifts that God has put there for you at the foot of, if you will, or on that tree, if you've not received those gifts, if you've not experienced the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, what better time than tonight To come and gaze on the greatest gift ever given, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the living God, to open up your heart and to accept that gift on God's terms to finally, finally put on that new every morning gift of God's love and grace and Son and mercy and compassion and forgiveness. That chapter in Galatians that we started with, Galatians chapter three, you know how that chapter ends? Or gets close to the ending? For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's verses 26 and seven of that Galatians three passage about the tree. That is how the chapter ends with which we begin. Galatians chapter three is all about a tree The gift of God's Son, He gave us upon it. If you would accept that gift, receive it, and access and take advantage of it, and and, and make the best of that gift that God gave for you tonight, you can be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. There's no other way to heaven. Or maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, I'm, I'm struggling to really be as grateful for that gift as I ought to to really use that gift in my everyday life to, to really fully understand that, like you said this morning, yes, I am special in the eyes of God and, and, and I just need more to, to realize his mercy and his grace, whatever it may be. If we can pray for you, we'll be glad to. If there's anything we can do to, for you tonight to help you to truly have the greatest gift of all that was put on a tree for you, please come to the front while we stand and sing.